1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 333 of The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hi,
0: Megan. How are you?
1: I am doing pretty well today and excited to dig in on this topic. Um, we're talking about helping people in hard times, mm-hmm. and I think that's something a lot of us could relate to over the last couple of years because, duh, I, do I even need to go into why maybe Just, most of us? I like duh. <laughs> duh is <so> good <laughs> like most of us have some experience with, you know, with, with hard things over the last couple of years. Um, and also I think that's just like a recurring thing. And sometimes a hard thing can be a fun and great thing. Like you just had a baby that's really hard, but it's really great. And sometimes it's like, Oh, I just lost my job and my mom is sick. Um, and my husband and I aren't getting along. And sometimes it's that kind of hard. And so like we all experience like a, a wide variety of different kinds of hard times. So I think today we're just gonna have kind of a free-flowing conversation about just the process of like recognizing what we need when we're having hard times, how that can be different for everybody, knowing how to help friends, especially if those friends or loved ones, like sometimes the way they need help is not the way you need help. And and sometimes we can't even really recognize when we are having. A hard time. So yeah. maybe the first place to start is just by defining for us what that is and how, how we even recognize it for ourselves.
0: Yeah. Well, and I even want to back up a teeny bit, which is, I was thinking as we were preparing for this, that our family of origin and how we, um, how we saw helping others or being helped modeled as kids probably informs some of this too. And it's very, very specific to each family and possibly regional or cultural. I'm thinking about like, if you grew up in a church community that was like right on top of like the meal trains and the helping people and the um, different rituals around when somebody passed away or when somebody was ill versus if you didn't grow up in a community like that, you may have seen Mm it. um, Hopefully you still saw ways to be empathetic and ways to help out a neighbor or a friend, but i'm just thinking how much we carry forward and it's making me reflect on my own experience that that would then inform almost like your the things we do without thinking right like if you hear that right. somebody's having a hard time you probably have some pretty deeply wired or deeply etched in things that come from the the you know, your, your family history that the person next to you might not. And think how that complicates things as we get into our own hard times. And we, we want to help our own friends and neighbors. So I just find it interesting.
1: It is. And I, and I think that some, something about that, um, could make it because it is automatic. It's like the thing you do. It's the appropriate thing to do, but like the appropriate thing that your family always did, maybe was giving a casserole or something. Mm -hmm. And if that's not something that you have ingrained in you as like the thing you want or the thing you need or like the thing that's done, you may not receive it the same way it's intended. Or you may look at what somebody else is doing and think, oh, that's interesting. So, yes, right. it's all it's complicated and there's a lot more to it than um, just dropping off casseroles.
0: Agreed. I guess for me, um, when I was thinking about like how to define what a hard time is and and I'm keeping this largely in the framework of motherhood and you know, we're moms. Um, but I there's like almost two big buckets when I think about it. And one are like the type of big ticket hard times that we all immediately recognize and that kind of are easy to define from the outside. So you mentioned, you know, having a baby, um, mm-hmm. there's going through like a cancer diagnosis, losing a parent, losing a job, going through a breakup. Um, there are some things that even though they are very difficult, we have come to accept kind of the language and the framework around them as a society where you're like, oh, I get it. That family is going through a difficult diagnosis. And then we have like, it's almost like the the train, the logic train flows out from there. And then I feel like there's this other kind of more nebulous hard time that I think a lot of moms experience and and myself included and don't always know how to give language to. And that would be things that are either maybe they're more nebulous or, or more abstract that it's just a it's a hard season of life and you're not quite sure how to put a name to it, except that it's hard. Or maybe it's very intensely private and it's something that's happening more in inside you or inside your most intimate relationships that it doesn't have a definition that's easy to like say to the world, you know, my, my grandmother passed away, like we need help. And so I just think that's important to recognize. And, um, I think those of you listening, some of you maybe have experienced one and not the other or the, or vice versa or both. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And Sarah, isn't it interesting how sometimes there's a huge disconnect between the things that feel hard to you and the things that other people think should feel hard to you. I'm thinking of like a a family death as an example. So you could have a, a death in your family that was expected. It's a bummer, but you knew it was coming. Maybe you weren't particularly close to that relative, whatever it is. And like societally that's recognized. And there's this like outpouring of support that maybe you don't really feel like you need where there could be something happening internally that feels huge. Yeah. But you don't, but it feels kind of complainy because it doesn't tick the box mm-hmm. or it doesn't like, you know, it's not something, it's not under the category or in the bucket of the big ticket item, or it can be really overwhelming to talk about. Um, maybe it's something you're so caught up in that you don't even want to talk about it. Like there's yeah. so, so many levels of complication. And I think that um, even just assuming like the way we kind of culturally assume that like a death in the family is going to be super hard on everybody Maybe it isn't, (laughs) like you know, and maybe like it hasn't really affected you that much in more of than like a blippy kind of way. Like, let's get through this weekend and then everything's going to kind of go back to normal where there could be something happening to your next door neighbor or someone you see every day in the school drop off or pickup line. And it's a big thing that they can't go public with for a variety of reasons. They just don't want to. It's like just because there's not like a, I don't know, like an event attached to it that they that's a public event doesn't mean it's not happening and it might even be harder than those public events.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, it sounds so like Instagram cliche to say, but it's just a really good reminder that, that the way we present outwardly to the world, and that includes you and me on this podcast and in whatever like public profile we have going on online, the way we present publicly to the world just may not tell the whole story. And it's not because people are fake and lying and covering up all their problems. Sometimes it's as simple as there is no outward manifestation. If you, if you have a new baby or you're going through chemo treatment, or there are some times where it's, um, visually there's visual cues on the outside that like, Oh wow, that family's got something going on right now. I can tell. Um, but there are so many situations that present very like typically on the outside where you just don't know what's going on on the inside. So it's a good reminder. I'm reminding myself this, you know, as well as we talk. Yeah.
1: Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Sarah, so let's start by talking about how we individually react to hard times. So I'm just wondering, is your inclination to like find a friend to vent to early? Um, Do you power through? Do you seek professional help? I'll go first. I think my inclination is to not complain a lot to anybody (laughs) to whom complaining might, I don't know, like put me in the spotlight as someone in need of help or something. And that Mm. it's a kind of a very uncomfortable place for me to be. And even when something major happens, and I've had several, I mean, the past five years of my life has been pretty eventful when we've talked about like Megan's, you know, no good, very bad. You know, extended period of time. yeah, it's pretty unusual for me to complain about just day to day hardships, and then when something really big does happen, I'll tell people but almost feel awkward like I don't really know like now what and it's not like I don't want help, I do and it's not I don't blame myself or anything like that. It's more just like, Ugh, this is just gonna create this like attention loop, um attention on something mm-hmm. I don't want attention on, or like now I have to figure out how to now deal with the fact that people feel something for me, Mm, like mm -hmm. feel empathy for me. Like now I have to deal with that on top of what I'm already dealing with, or I have to kind of figure out how to navigate. Um, I don't know their feelings about what's happening to me. And that's not to say like, I don't have friends who are dumping on me or anything like that, or like making my problems worse. It's not at all. It's just a a natural inclination. I think to downplay hard things and to focus on not hard things Mm -hmm. and to Present with that first. So I think sometimes that's great because I don't dwell on stuff too long that doesn't need to be dwelled on. And sometimes it's bad. Often it's bad because when things are really wrong, I don't know really how. Like I don't want to add. It's not that I don't know how. I know how to ask for help. I just sometimes just don't want to. And I wonder if sometimes it just makes it harder for me.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so funny. This is one of those scenarios where you and I have our kind of opposite type personality types, but sometimes we land in a, in the same place. And I think this is kind of one of those, because I, I think there's a lot of similarities for me as what you're describing. Um, what I notice and all of this is like, do what I say, not what I do. I don't think I'm good at this. I think I have a lot of yeah. issues in this area. So as I, <laughs> I do, as I was thinking about this, I am I am relentlessly like detrimentally self-reliant. That is like a that's a personality trait of mine. And so that has its upsides when it comes to like figuring stuff out, doing things mm. by myself, um not wanting to not wanting help and and even if I need help, I want it to be like on my terms. I want someone to do what I told them to do. Like I just it's really hardwired in me. And, um, so what I, what happens to me if there is a hard time is I truly believe in my core that I can like DIY my own self-help. Um, and I think that ultimately gets in my way. Right. <laughs> so like I, I'm
1: laughing cause that's very similar to me just for, maybe for from a, coming from a different,
0: you yeah. know, reason,
1: but very similar. It's yeah.
0: like, you don't want, it's almost like you're, you're such a nurturer and a carer of other people's feelings. You don't want to like burden or make other people uncomfortable. And I just think I can do it by myself probably because I think I can do it better than anybody else. (laughs) Like we come from such different pathologies, but unfortunately, like how that manifests is waiting way too long to say like, Oh, this feels really hard for me. Or I'm scared of this, or this happened in it. Like, and I don't know what to do with it because I truly believe that I can like, Brene Brown podcast my way out of or like self-help book out of whatever I'm going through. Um, and so that is my inclination. Obviously, the older we get, the more we know about ourselves and we can get better at these things. And then I, I think just also circling back to what I said about the big ticket items versus the more nebulous. Um, I am just keenly aware of my privilege and of my relatively charmed life. I haven't had a lot of those big ticket you know, cancer diagnosis, losing a parent, losing a job like I and so I I do think sometimes I devalue my own hard times because they don't look like what what it seems like it should look like. It doesn't have a label to attach to it. And mm. I know I know how very privileged I am. So then I do that thing where it's I think Brene Brown calls it comparative suffering where you're like, I I should feel so lucky like I sh- mm-hmm. I don't deserve to ha- be having a hard time. Because da, 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 da. um and it I I actually listened to a great conversation between Brene Brown and Esther Perel. Do you know her, Megan? She's the relationship. Um, like yeah, the she's the what
1: should I tell you or what's a podcast? Um, she's got a podcast. Yes. I can't think of the she's name. She's wildly
0: it, popular, mostly around relationships, yeah. but not all, not only romantic relationships. Um, and they talked a lot about this comparative suffering and in the pandemic, especially how we're all like, well you know, we're, we're faring better than most. Like we're so lucky. My kids get to go to school in person or like I we're financially secure. So that's another thing that I think is part of the way I react to hard times is I delegitimize my own because they're either not as bad as other people's or they don't have an easy box to be put in. So that was a lot.
1: Well, and, and not as bad as is such a, I know you're, I know you're acknowledging this already, you know, this Sarah, but I'm just here to validate that. Like everything is relative. I mean, you can be like the poorest person in your town and probably still have access to more wealth than someone, you know, in right. a, in a less wealthy uh, country or, you know, there's just so many different, like, it's all relative. Yeah. Like, every everything, sometimes when I'm feeling like overwhelmed or thinking like I have too much on my plate, I'll just laugh at myself and be like, it's like a ridiculous thing to say because, right. you know, relative to anybody relative to lots of other people, um, I get to podcast for a living, you know? Yeah. So it's like, there, there's always that and we can't escape that. Um, by the way, Esther Perel's podcast is called Where Should We Begin? Yes. I knew I was wrong about that, but yeah, that's wildly popular. Um, Sarah, this is not necessarily related to what you just said, but it made me think of like that Instagram post I wrote a few weeks ago where I was talking about kind of like being a power througher,
0: mm-hmm. and yes. the people,
1: you know, the people who just be like, so all these bad things are happening and it starts to feel like it's piling on. So you've got whatever your struggles are that are your internal, you know, things that are happening in you. Then you've got your close contacts and community and, and that maybe your family, your friends, whatever's happening to them, what's happening under your roof. And then like what's happening in the world. And all of those things sometimes pile on to a degree where like it can feel like you're um, react overreacting. To something that's happened to you, but actually you're reacting to the whole soup. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind. Like it's not just about what's happening to you today. Like we are all affected by what's happening globally and what's, what's in this, the air around us. Um, We can't escape that. even if we do a really good job of like filtering our news and social media, it's still out there. It's like in the air. It Um, is. The other thing I wanted to mention, because I just think it'll make people laugh, is that for that Instagram post, I took a couple selfies of myself, obviously.
0: I know which one. And And if you (laughs) listeners, if you follow us on Instagram, it was probably like at least a month ago now. And it's a beautiful selfie of Megan's face, like just, you know, her creamy skin and her cute hair. But keep going.
1: (laughs) So I took several in a row and I just was like feeling, I don't know, pensive. And I just grabbed a couple selfies and I sent them to Sarah and was like, be honest, like what is this? I I, like, what do, how do these strike you? And you chose the least pensive looking one. I mean, it's, I still look more pensive than I usually would in a photo, but we laughed because there was one of me where I looked kind of like I was about to cry and I really wasn't. It's just how the camera caught me. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that and I was like, I would not be able to handle the amount of sympathy I would get for that photo. Like the amount of like, um, well-meaning, loving, comforting words that would come my way. If I were to post a photo of myself looking like I'm on the verge of tears would make me so intensely uncomfortable that like, I can't do it. There's no, it's just, I said, it's laying it on a bit thick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so
0: funny. (laughs) And that is actually, that's a really good reminder too, of what we said at the beginning, which is like, there's what's going on internally, and then there's the way that we choose to communicate or present that. And one of those ways, you and I are, are public in a in a certain way. And it's just a good reminder that like even the hard stuff has to be curated in some way. And curation is not necessarily insidious. It's not fake right. or lying. It's also um you wanted that day to start an authentic conversation about when the world is seems like it's piling up on you and you chose a visual that's a selfie at the same time i think there there in some circles there is this sort of performative like hard times olympics yes. you know where people yeah. do yeah. actually post photos of themselves crying because first of all the algorithm loves it like instagram loves right? they will, they will show that post to more people. It's just crazy. There's a lot of like, I don't even know what my point is, but there's a lot to unpack there, even in that simple gesture. But, and yet I, I mean, I'm on your side, what you were doing was starting a conversation that made a lot of moms feel less alone. And we saw that from the comments on the post.
1: Well, one, one more thought before we move on from, from just like this kind of complicated conversation about outward and inward um, presentation of what's happening you know, sometimes if someone isn't presenting what's happening in their world, 100% accurately, because who does? Nobody does. Right. right. It's like impossible. A lot of times it's not about, like you said, Sarah, it's not about being fake or like, um, lying. It's self-protection. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody can handle the sympathy of the world. Not everyone wants that kind of attention on themselves. And so I think that there's like that line to walk between being like, uh, inaccurately happy and optimistic and, and like that toxic positivity all the time when that's not true. But then on the flip side, if you really open yourself up to being like too raw all the time, it brings with it a certain kind of attention that not everyone wants either. And can also feel equally disingenuous. Like if I posted a picture of myself crying, that would have maybe represented a moment in that day where I felt like crying, but it wouldn't rep That's what would be sitting there on our feed for 24 hours. Yes. Yeah. is me with a tear rolling down my face. And that's not how I feel for 24 yeah. hours. I might feel that way for five minutes. Yeah. So I just think we're all doing it. We're all, we're all curating, whether we're posting on social media or going to the grocery store. Yeah, that's and true. Like, yeah. And it, like the next time you feel really, really bad, notice that when you walk into the grocery store, you're probably still pull yourself together enough to walk through the grocery store. Cause you probably just don't want the attention, yeah. you know, or you don't, yeah. You just want to be normal for a few yeah. minutes. Yeah. So. Well, let's move on, um, to, to more of like the, what we need, what we want, what we think we want, um, when we're having a hard time, sort of that helping part. And I'm just going to use love languages, which I know we talk about a lot not everyone loves them and <laughs> not everyone gets mm-hmm. into them, but I think that there, it's an, it's an interesting bucket framework. So like five buckets. Of different kinds of ways help can be offered and received. I find it helpful for me when I default to thinking I want or need like a specific kind of help or only can offer a specific kind of help to remind myself that all people have different needs and that there's actually a lot of ways to do this. So um, if you're not familiar with the love languages, I'll just touch on them really quickly. And then we can kind of talk about maybe for ourselves examples of how even it doesn't really matter which one of these is your favorite in regular life. I have examples of how each and every one of these has been helpful to me in some in some way at a time or another, even if I don't think of it as something I want. So like one of the love languages, which would be show how you show and or receive love would be touch, um, gifts, uh, acts of service, like doing nice things for people, words of affirmation um, and quality time. And so, I mean, I think all of those things, like maybe someone just really needs a hug, but maybe they don't want a hug. (laughs) Maybe Mm -hmm. they really would just like their their day brightened by like an unexpected gesture. Like you give them a gift card. Um, Maybe if you came and like raked the lawn because they're stuck at the hospital and there's no way for them to get back Mm -hmm. before like the snow starts to fall on the leaves. And I've been in that position before. Um, Maybe they just need to hear acknowledgement that they're going to get through something or it's tough, but they're doing a great job or some other kind of affirmation. Like, You see how much they care about the people in their circle. Like that can look like a lot of different Mm -hmm. things, not even related to the crisis at hand necessarily. Yes. Um, And then quality time. Like sometimes all I want is someone to take me away and distract me and do something fun with me and spend time with me. So like all five of those are not my, they're not all five equal in my life as like a day-to-day love language. But like when something is going badly, I have leaned on all five of those Mm -hmm. and, and really gotten a lot out of each one.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um I'm curious if you think your dominant your normal dominant love languages, which you can remind everybody what your like top 2 are, are also the two ways you feel most supported in hard times. I could see them, you know, I could see that tracking, but maybe in the hardest of hard times, there's actually a, like another love language that that shines through for you.
1: So, it's really interesting because I I would rank touch and um words of affirmation. Those are the ones that always come up in my, you know, in my quiz. When I take a quiz, those are the ones that are my two highest. Uh, when I am having, like when I'm really sad or having a really hard time, I really don't want people to touch me. To me, it feels Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, uncomfortable and pandering unless it's a a significant other. And and in that case, when I haven't had a significant other, um, I just float the wind because I don't get it. And I don't want it. I don't seek it out from anybody else. And then when I do have a significant other, that's all I want. And that's like all I think I need. So it's kind of like a little bit of a flip side. Interestingly, gifts, acts of service and quality time, while they don't rank as high for me in normal life are all ways that people have shown up for me that yeah. I've really appreciated because sometimes they're really filling a need. I don't even know. I wouldn't identify that need myself. I wouldn't identify like Gosh, it would be really helpful if someone put gas in my car or picked my kid up from school or, you know, um set like put together a girls' night for me because those are all things I feel like I can and should do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but when times are hard, those are the things that I don't do. Yeah. So yeah. So what about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think so. My normal highest two love languages for how I love to be loved are acts of service and words of affirmation. Um, I think the one that is not my highest in normal times, but is like bubbling to the surface here as we talk is quality time. And I think if you read about quality time in the love languages, in the actual like articles and books, I, I was enlightened when I read about it because it's easy to think like that means like a date night or like a girl's Mm. weekend. Um, the way they describe it is really feeling deeply listened to and paid attention to hence the quality and not quantity. Um, and that can be incredibly, I don't, I don't know, like restorative for me if I'm going through a hard time because I am that relentless, stubborn, uh, like self-reliant DIYer of my own <laughs> destiny. Um, I have to be in a pretty like dark place to recognize that a deep conversation with a good friend or my significant other, or a professional therapist is actually like, that kind of quality time, where like the person is showing up and has nowhere else to be except to listen to my insane ramblings, is can be very, very helpful to me. But it takes a long time for me to th- think that I need that or to have the idea. Whereas in normal life, when the, in the bopping along, I think we had that phrase in another episode that I like, like the bop along times, um, my quality time, like, cup is filled here and there. It's not something that like I super, it's not the way that I feel and receive and even show love. So that's the one that like feels a little different in hard times versus pop along times.
1: Yeah, I get that. And I've experienced from you how like, there's a definitely a different, um, presentation or, or tone when you're coming with a, like, like I need to talk about this and it happens very rarely. Like it's, it's rare, yeah. rare enough that when you have that, I pay attention. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh, this is different. This is Sarah yeah. not bopping along. Yeah. Sarah's not bopping today. <laughs> this is a no bop zone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I think that's really interesting. And it also leads me, you know, just that whole conversation about like needing different things sometimes from different people. Um, also kind of made me think about the fact that sometimes in the moment you don't know what you need or you have a hard time distinguishing between what you think you need and what you really like, what would really be helpful. And sometimes even who you want to fill that need for you. So for myself, I have had a lot of experience feeling kind of sad or like left out or crabby because I didn't feel like my boyfriend or when I was married, my husband or my closest friends, like intuited what I needed. But then later I realized that what they actually did offer relieved a big burden. And I, I mean, like, there's a lot going on there to pick Mm -hmm. apart. And it's sometimes dependent on the relationship. Like when I feel like I just want you to, here I am an hour away and I'm having a really hard time. And I just want you to come drive here and like give me a big hug and that's all I want. And, you know, my boyfriend is thinking, but what you really need is for me to go to your house and like close up your pool for the season because you're not home to do that. Like, that's just an example of like something that actually happened in my life. And I was really upset. Like I was really upset that he did not drive to come give me a hug. And then afterward, I'm like, man, if he hadn't gone and done that, then I would have had to come home and deal with it. And Mm -hmm. like, that would have meant two weeks later, I would have been having like a breakdown because Mm -hmm. I couldn't handle this thing on my own. And so I don't know how to exactly, like, I think my feelings were valid that I wanted the thing I didn't get. And then also in the end, I still got what I needed. And, and like, it's so like with the closest people, you're kind of safe to have those disappointments and like, and for that to all be wrapped up in the package of hard times.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're so right. It was a valid reaction for you to not feel like you were getting what you wanted. And it was also a valid effort on his part. Right. Um, and, and it really d- was something that helped in its own way. Um, I was thinking about this and I often kind of misattribute the nature of the hard time for convenience and shorthand sake. So if I'm. If I am having a hard time for whatever reason and people kind of say, what's going on? Or like, how are you doing? I will if it's going to sound like I'm lying and I don't it doesn't sound like that. But I will often attribute the hard time to things that people can relate to lack of sleep. Mm. Like I haven't been sleeping well, Mm -hmm. Um, work stress, you know, overwhelm with the house, this and that. And it's like it's that societally acceptable like list of things that moms are known to struggle with that people are like oh yeah i know how that is like that's so hard yeah okay now we can like now we're now Let's again move on. <laughs> like we well and we have a label like we can talk about right. that and then what happens is i will get offers for help with those things can i take the kids can i like do you want to like escape and catch up on work for a few hours do you want and then i think no i don't want those things like this is not helpful at all and it's because i'm not actually sharing what's actually wrong and maybe i haven't even figured it out for myself but that is a pattern i've noticed when it, when it comes to like asking for the help you need or thinking, you know, other people thinking they're giving you what you need. It's really complicated. And I have noticed that that is a pattern. I will allow people to think that it's X, Y, and Z where X, Y, and Z are recognizable, like typical, like workhouse kids stress. And then when help is offered to alleviate those stressors, I realize, Oh, that's not helpful because that's not actually what's bothering me.
1: Well, it's sometimes you don't even know. And I'm thinking of like the shorthand that we probably use with each other. I, I think one, I know one word you use when you're describing yourself in the not best mood is grumpy. I've mm-hmm. noticed you use that word a lot. And I use the word um, stressed or busy or like everything is just, there's a lot, like a lot on my plate. And sometimes I'll think that's what's wrong, and then when I really think about it, I'm like, actually, I'm just sad. Or like, mm, actually, mm-hmm. actually, it's not that. At all. Like, grumpy yes. is maybe not always what you actually feel, and yeah. maybe like tired. You know, I, I think I mentioned on a recent episode that when I um, am emotionally spent, it feels like tiredness. Like, I feel exhausted, but I'm not really tired. I'm not right. Nothing's really happened to make me tired. Yes, I, I slept well last night. I'm not. You know, it's not like I'm actually sleepy, and my body isn't tired. It's just the way I am uh manifesting yes. loneliness or sadness is feels like exhaustion and so yes. sometimes i don't even know
0: oh my gosh i'm like having <laughs> i'm having a lot of like little <laughs> epiphany moments right now
1: we are welcoming back vionic as a sponsor today and sarah i will be honest i was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh but you know what's good to go my shoes To claim this deal, go to Hayahealth.com slash mom hour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So when we talked a lot about our inability, apparently to identify our own feelings <laughs> <laughs> or like get help that we need. I mean, please, I guess this is just a great example of why all these hundreds of episodes in no one should ever like think we've got it all figured no. out or that these are not we're we here to offer
0: they're not instructive
1: <laughs> we're just sharing you know the human frailty like we all have it and and dealing with problems is one of the hardest things that we can do as humans either our own problems or other people's and I just before we move on to like the topic of maybe how we can help other people um I just want to throw out this validation is piece of, I guess, wisdom or whatever, maybe it's not even wise, but just to like validate for yourself that when you are going through a hard time, you know, Sarah, we both talked about how we're not always a hundred percent transparent about what's happening, or we're grumpy when we get the wrong response, or, you know, we may even feel like we want to lash out at our significant other because we didn't like, we didn't get our need met or whatever we thought our need was. And like, let's just all remember that your, your emotions are heightened. And when your emotions are heightened, you might feel what seems later irrationally irritated or overlooked or sad or whatever it is just in general and like get deep in your feels. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, I just want to acknowledge that like we might, it's really easy for us to be sitting here right now on a random Thursday where we're both feeling pretty good. I assume Mm -hmm. looking back at ourselves and recognizing our patterns, but it's like impossible in the moment. And I just want to, before we move on, I just want to like acknowledge that that's true.
0: I think that's a good to acknowledge. And another thing, this is words of affirmation for all of you listening. And it's kind of goes along the line. If you've ever heard somebody say, like, if you're the type of parent who's even asking questions about how best to support your kid through something, you're already a good parent. Like just by being aware of the opportunity to do good, you're doing good. And I would say the same is true here when it comes to self-reflection. Like If you are even open to looking at your own patterns around hard times, um, you're probably showing up really well for those around you because um, because it takes it takes a lot of adulting to get to the point where you're like, huh, I do notice this pattern about about myself. So I guess that's just like words of affirmation for everyone who's looking at this kind of stuff in their own life.
1: Okay, so that's that's great. And yes, I agree. We're we're all like in a place where we're we're just trying, like just trying is, is part, like just being open to having these conversations and thinking about this stuff is like part of the battle. So then all the conversation we've had so far mostly has been about our own tendencies and what we recognize about ourselves. So I'm just so curious, Sarah, when you know someone in your sphere in your circles is having a really hard time, do you have a standard, like, you know, we talked a little bit about family of origin culture or what's happening around you culturally, what, what you recognize to be appropriate or right to do, but that can be very complicated Mm -hmm. by social media, which then creates levels of relationship that are often hard to suss out. And I think that for me, I am sporadic and all over the place when it comes to how I respond to a crisis. And I can, I can give you a quick example because it's something that, um, that I I think about a lot, like what would be a way for me to show up better for people in my life? And sometimes I just don't know how. So the day that I posted that uh, message, which was like on Instagram that we talked about, Mm -hmm. and you said it was over a month ago. Now you're right. It was probably about a month ago. Um, there had just been a really tragic death in my community in my theater community of a young, very young woman who I've played her mom before in, in theater productions, um, lost her twin sister. So like that was taking over my Facebook feed mm-hmm. for days. There was all the speculation about like her death and it was just really painful. And I was watching it all play out with this young group of kids, not not children anymore, but the ages of my kids just about, um, my older kids. And like, I, I kept kicking the can down the road thinking, well, I don't want to reach out to her right now because there's everybody is mm-hmm. and she's dealing with so much. Yeah. And then it started to kind of, you know, calmed down. I thought, well, she probably just wants a break. She probably just wants some normalcy. And then it turned into like, well, I don't really, you know, we don't really see each other very often. We don't have that much of a relationship. I didn't know her sister. And so I basically talked to myself in and out of doing anything mm-hmm. at all. And now here I am like five weeks later going, okay, well, now what do I do? It's like, I, I missed, I didn't miss a window. I know that I didn't, but I'm far enough removed from this person that how on earth do I now go back And like make a meaningful gesture. And it's not a casserole. She doesn't need me to drop off food or a Starbucks gift card. She probably doesn't want to spend time with me. I don't know that my hug would add anything at this point. She's she's got her friends, you know. Like that's I think where it gets very complicated. And not to make this about me, but I'm just saying I think this is why we get paralyzed. Yes. And why sometimes, as a person struggling, you don't get the response you want Mm -hmm. because the people on the other side are having the exact same kind of mental, like, you know, issues that I'm having right now, but trying to like logic their way through this.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's really common. And it does make me think like, I almost wish that there was a, like an automatic thing that we talked about from the family of origin. Like, um, I can see it being, I do love to send snail mail and I love to write cards and letters, but I don't do it as much as, you know, I used to before the internets. Um, but I can see having like. A set of pretty cards, not even sympathy cards, or like not even specific to any one hard thing, but having just committing to just popping a note in the mail or popping a text into the ether um, yeah. when all you can say is "I'm so sorry, I'm thinking of you." I mean, I think that's what the experts would tell us to do, right? Is just do right. do one small authentic thing, but at the same time, do what I say, not what I do. I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Megan. A lot of overthinking, a lot of wondering am I important enough to this person to warrant Mm. this gesture? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want them to feel like they have to reply. If I send a casserole, I don't want a thank you. note. like, I don't want to (laughs) put the burden. You don't want to create more burden. Exactly. And then like you and I work in this like very content driven industry where like you read things like, how to really help a new mom? Actually, we have an episode called that, and, and then it's like, <laughs> it, and it and it really is in caps too. How to really help you, yes. right? And the the implication is yeah. like they don't they don't need like all those new baby gifts. They need you to like hire a cleaning service for their house, and it becomes this like what's the best or the right way right. to help this person? So yeah, it can lead to a lot of mental gymnastics. When in fact, probably the simplest answer is often the the right one, which is to. Reach out authentically and meaningfully whenever you do it. I can tell you that people going through hard times, it's not like a linear thing where five weeks in she's going to be like, "Oh, why is my right. she's out not now? over it? I'm over right. it." Yeah, no. Right. So yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You're right. You're right. And I think that overthinking can come. It can stem from a lot of different places um, in your personality, from wanting to, you know, maybe enneagram one it right, like mm-hmm. do it right, or maybe um, in my case, maybe be appropriately nurturing and like in the correct way that doesn't, not even correct, but in the most helpful way that doesn't harm. I think I'm often very um, wary of the idea that I might cause harm with Mm -hmm. what I do more than help. Uh, That's something that I think is often in my mind. And some of that's because of the way we personally react. So like whatever hangups we have about expressing hard times and then accepting help, We're going to project those hangups on other people who may not have the same hangups, who may love any gesture that you make um, and not find it annoying or overwhelming or anything. So you're you're so right, Sarah, like doing something is better than doing nothing and not overthinking. And like, you know, the simplest thing that you can do probably is, you know, at least a place to start. And I guess when you're talking about close family, close friends, it does get a little stickier. Um, I'm curious, Sarah, if you've given any thought to like, when you know someone in your inner circle, maybe is struggling more than they're saying, or like, doesn't know how to ask for help. Do you go out of your way to try to find out what they need? Do you try to intuit what you think they need? Um,
0: based on what we
1: think they'd need, like, how
0: do you do that? I think I mostly try to intuit it. And I, I often start with like, What's, what's a, a skill or a gift or a talent that I have that might be of service? I very much am an acts of service person in this regard. So I'm not like a big dinner cooker. That's not one of my natural born gifts. So I am less likely to bring a meal. Um, I do have like a high proficiency when it comes to organizing things, keeping details straight, Um, so depending on how close I am to someone, I might jump in and offer to just take a task or a series of tasks completely off their plate. Um, this is like, this is a little example and it's not exactly a hard time, but my brother's a brand new RN. He's a brand new nurse, like a mid career shift in the middle of, well, he made the shift before COVID, but he is now a brand new nurse, um, in a, in a COVID, like he sees COVID patients and stuff in our hospital locally. And It's an exciting time for him, but it's really intense. And I helped him go through, I printed out his schedule and I helped him like literally like almost block schedule or plan his weeks because he has all these crazy shifts. And like, it's really, really intense in the first, you know, and any nurse would tell you the first year. And that is a, that's a a skill that I have that he doesn't, that I felt like, okay, I can contribute my, I don't know, like my talents to this problem. So I think I come at it from a very problem solving place, which mm-hmm. in cases like my brother was very helpful. Like I was writing on his calendar, like this would be like a good day to like catch up on life and go to the grocery store and like, right. Don't forget to exercise and like, da, 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 da. and like, it kind of became like a little silly at one point that would be less helpful if what someone really needed was like a cry buddy, like a, just to mm-hmm. like sit in the sadness and cry together. I don't feel very, that's not like a natural gift of mine. So I guess what do I do? I try to into it and I try to match something that I can offer that really would be helpful, almost like in a problem solving way. And I think in some cases that works really well. And in some cases it probably doesn't. In some cases I miss the mark because that's, I'm not able to I might be able to intuit it, but I, I don't know how to deliver. And that's where we get into that, like that overthinking or that doing nothing trap.
1: Yeah, um, I for the people, interestingly, th- that practical action tends to be how I deal with helping people in my most inner inner circles. Mm-hmm. I have a harder time figuring out how to do that for people who aren't like really close to me, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's not the appropriate Place to be anyway. Like, you know, maybe it'd be really annoying if I showed up at like a, a, a friend's house who I'm not very close to and was like, hey, can I organize your closet or right. <laughs> can I make an appointment for you? I mean, like maybe maybe in that case, it's like, hey, I know about the service you should check out. It's really cool. It will do this X, Y and Z for you or or like offering a resource or offering in, in a non-annoying way, because I know even that could be like when you're overwhelmed. And someone sends you like a link to a resource. It's like, thanks a lot, you know, (laughs)
0: right. Like
1: one more thing for me to do. So I, I think if there's like any takeaway from this, it's like messy and hard and none of us get it right all the time. Um, on the topic of, you know, not at least not wanting to cause harm. If, if, even if you can't help, um, not wanting to cause harm, there's been a, um, an art, I don't know if it's an article, the same article that's been going around for a few years, but there's this concept that was created, I believe, by a psychiatrist or a social scientist. Um, and I, it's essentially like a series of circles. So in the middle, middle, like concentric circles, yeah. um, they look like ripple. In the, in the middle circle, you've got the person who is closest to the problem. So maybe they, you know, maybe it's someone whose husband has just died. I'll just use that mm-hmm. as an example. The very closest person is the wife, Right. Then you've got the concentric circles going out and it's like the kids are in the next circle, Not probably not the kids. The kids are just as they're in that inner mm-hmm. circle too. Maybe like the next one is like extended family. And the next one outside of that is like close friends, et cetera. So it's like, just goes out and out. And the idea is that anyone from the inner circles is allowed to like dump out. They're allowed to complain to the people mm-hmm. on the outer
0: right rings, Less affected. Yeah.
1: Less affected rings. But the people on the outside can only comfort back in. Mm-hmm. So like, they're not allowed to talk to you about how hard it was. So if you're the person whose husband has just died, the person three rings out isn't allowed to go back to that person and talk about how hard it was when their you know brother died or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like, it's even though they, they have their own traumas and their own griefs and they're, very, they're both super valid, the one who's in the middle of this trauma Takes precedence in this trauma. So it's like it's, I just think it's really interesting. So it's, I think it's they call it dump out comfort in. Mm-hmm. And I like to think about that because I do think, you know, it's been kind of clinically proven that we're terrible listeners for the most part. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that humans try to relate to each other is by jumping on other people's yes. um problems to share our own. And sometimes we believe that makes us relatable. Sometimes maybe it is helpful. But as a But the danger is making something all about you. And I think I I have experienced this having been someone who's lost kind of a lot of people in my life. Like there is a there's a there's a line between relating Mm -hmm. and feeling like now this other person's problems about something that happened to them is now my problem when I'm the one going through something. So um, I think that's that's just we'll probably link that up in the show notes. It's an interesting way to look at it.
0: It is. And I think it's it's very helpful. It makes me think of This is a slightly different take on it. But when my husband's father passed away, that was the first like death of any of our parents and the only so far. Um, And it was very strange to be. So what was I? I was the partner of the kid of the man who died. Right. Like, so my father-in-law passed away. I had known my father-in-law and had a relationship with him, a very dear relationship for at that point, 15 years, I think. Um, so I, it was in fact a loss for me, but it was obviously not even close to the type of loss that it was for my husband and his sister, um, and their stepmom. And so it is strange to be going through a hard time yourself that is l- less hard by degrees than the people around you. Because like you said, uh, my role was to comfort in, right. But like, I wasn't completely neutral either. It was, he was right. also a person in my life. And I, having not lost a lot of, a lot of significant people in my life, it was like a pretty big deal. But for me, like I could only really comfort in and then whatever you said, like, you know, vent Dump out. out. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And that was a strange middle ground to be in. And I bet we have some listeners who experienced something like that, where you have, you are having your own. It's not that I was like, oh yeah, this reminds me of the time that my other in law. Like I wasn't, I wasn't right. trying to bring another tragedy in, but I was experiencing my own grief and felt a little in the middle as, as one would, mm-hmm. where I was no longer. I remember thinking, am I at the funeral? Am I one of the people comforting the family or am I in the right. family? Am I bereaved? And I, am yeah. I, yes. And I was a little bit of both. Like I was in yeah. that like receiving line. It, yeah. It was a, it was a strange middle place. And I'm sure I'm not the only one to have existed in that middle place.
1: Well, I also, um, when I was married, lost an in-law and I will say it was one of the more difficult experiences of my life, harder in some ways than losing my own parents. Because when I lost my own parents, I knew exactly what I was supposed to. Like I knew where I, where I was Mm -hmm. in the lineup. And when it was like my father-in-law, I really didn't feel quite like I had, I could not figure out my purpose. It was really hard. And then again, you're still, you're having your grief, which is valid but it doesn't feel valid by comparison or Mm -hmm. something. And Mm -hmm. so it was really hard to figure out who would be your comforter or who would be the person you could complain to. And so just acknowledging that, I think that that um, it's a really hard place to be. And I'm sure a lot of people in our community have been in that spot. Well, let's wrap up by just talking and maybe we can just quickly name a Mm -hmm. few um, surprisingly helpful things another person has done for us or people during hard times that have really helped. Cause I think it's always good to have like a little stockpile of ideas Mm -hmm. so that we don't just default to the thing that seems most appropriate or easiest. Um, I have one that popped into my head. So a little over around a year ago, we were going through like a really tough time with one of my kids and we were not at the house for over a week. Um, and when I got back, I really wanted to redo his bedroom and, I don't even remember who I mentioned. I meant I offhand mentioned to one of my friends that I think I was looking for like, I don't know, like a new bed frame or something. I don't even remember what, how this got out there. But then next thing I knew they had organized with like six other friends to basically just buy a new bed for my son. And that was really touching. It's not something I ever would have asked for. It's not Mm -hmm. something I would have felt like I need, like I needed but it was really helpful because it was a time when i was spending a lot of money on not sleeping at home you know and so like there was a whole big chunk of budget i would have put toward that that i was not and it was really really helpful in the end it wasn't something i would have thought to ask for but it was like a nice creative genuinely helpful gesture and yeah. i think those three things you know helpful genuinely um genuinely helpful and like creative were really it, that was the key
0: yeah yeah Um, Mine, I feel like is a lot less concrete or tangible, but a couple of things that come to mind is uh, I think the people who know me best know that I need to be mm, matched in certainty so I can be, like I said, very like stubbornly self-reliant and I can sometimes need someone to stand in front of me unafraid to be like, "Mm, yeah, but you really don't seem like you don't have it all together right now. Like something right. is not right. So like what could you do about that? And almost like uh that challenge or stand up for me is not quite right, but show themselves to be not afraid of like the mess, right? Of like mm-hmm. um the fact that I don't have it all together. So that anyone who's close enough to do that has um a special place in my heart because like I said, I think I can put up a pretty good false front. Um, yeah, I also think humor on the totally opposite side of the spectrum. I humor is not a love language. It's as defined by the five love languages, but just like you, I get very uncomfortable with sympathy or too much like earnest emotion. And I am, I love humor. I love, I communicate through humor. I'm snarky. I appreciate smart humor. So that's tricky. And I think when, when things seem really dark, people do not want to make a joke and have it land wrong. Right. Uh, Understandably. Um, but I think the people in my life who, who just know me well enough to know, like when, when it's okay to laugh are huge gifts to me because I will laugh at myself through like all the way through the tears, like through the end, Mm -hmm. because I find being a human, very funny most of the time. Um, And so I think anyone (laughs) it is very funny, (laughs) even in really hard times. It is very funny. So I think I'm drawn to I'm drawn to books and to podcasts and to like thought leaders. My favorite ones are the ones who think this is all really hilarious, even while it's terrible. Um, And so I think that's maybe surprising in that it may not be the thing you think your friend needs is like a meme or a joke or like a YouTube video, but I humor is, should not be underestimated in its power. And for the right person, it might, it might be exactly what they need.
1: I love that. And, and just hearing that brings me to one more that popped into my head that is also less concrete, um, but has a lot to do with like those people in your life who just know you so well that they can read you and, um, know your tendencies and and maybe what you're really needing in the moment when you can't identify it for yourself. And one of the things that, uh, and again, I'm just going to mention the Enneagram. I know we talk about Enneagram a lot here, but uh, I'm an Enneagram too. So it's like, you know, they can be very outward serving, Mm -hmm. people pleasing, helping, 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 but there can come a point when like I almost flip and become, well, it's in the Enneagram when you are under stress you go to a different number, which is more domineering. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's when I demand my needs get met. I can turn, I can become quite, um, like aggressively needy. (laughs) I don't really know how to put that, but like in a way that is, it can be like almost like, like from an angry place.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, having people who like hold a boundary around that is super duper important and actually makes me feel very secure. Like, because it's not a mean boundary. It's not like this is how you are and I hate you. It's and like you suck and go away. It's more like this, I recognize this is how you are in this moment and I love you and like you're gonna be okay. But like I can't do that for you right now.
0: That's and so profound.
1: Yeah. That, but like when you feel like you start to become a black hole, which is what right. I think that that it's like I, you know, I was repelling help, repelling, 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 and now suddenly it's flipped and I'm a vacuum and I just want like suck it all up.
0: <laughs> you're trying to get yours, right? Like you're trying to yes. get like what's been owed to you this whole time of being a serve, like a, in that service mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so having someone kind of
1: just recognize that and flip it and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And you don't even, it's not, wouldn't even be good for you if I did. It's like humbling, but actually great. And there's been very, very few people in my life who've actually, who actually walked that line appropriately. Um, I think you're one Sarah and you probably don't even know it, but it's like, you, you probably don't even really know when you're like gently putting a boundary there, but I see it and like, yeah, I feel it. So I don't know. Anyway, I just think that's one of those things you can't necessarily do until you know someone super well though.
0: Yeah. But it might be really helpful actually for our listeners. We're talking about ourselves, but like what I, what is similar about what I said and what you said is someone who can call you on your patterns and your BS is a very special person. And so my patterns and my BS would be to act like I have. Everything together, and I need zero help, and everything's fine, and I'm going to take care of it all and What I said was someone who is like patient enough to be like, mm, cool, but maybe can we keep talking about this because it seems like maybe that's a load of it seems you know like what, perhaps like, yeah yeah, yeah, um that when you said you feel secure, I like felt that like that like literally resonated in my body that's exactly what I'm talking about. It feels secure to have someone call you on your b s and that's what you were saying, like someone who knows you well enough. To know that like this is how you're reacting but this isn't really what you need and that is we all need people like that in our life so yeah,
1: yeah. well I guess maybe the takeaway of this long <laughs> this long um rather rambling conversation that I think you know was really quite revelatory for me in yeah. several ways is just that we like we need people and we need and I know that's one of those things that's like it's so hard to get those relationships when you don't feel like we, you know, we hear from moms all the time who are saying like, how do I find that sister friend? Like, how do I find those people who I can really rely on? And I I don't, this isn't the episode to go into that because it's over. (laughs) We don't have time. (laughs) And even if we did, you and I would be talking about how we've done it, which is different from how anybody else might do it. Um, But just reiterating that those, like, even if it's two, even if you have two people in your life, Um, Even if you have one, like one person in your life who holds that role, that is like a precious, precious thing. And really the rest is window dressing. It's great. And I like having a big social circle, but really quality, quality really matters here. Um, And I guess that's like a, it's not as particularly helpful place to wrap up, but I think it's true.
0: I think I think it's true. And I think it this changes over time. So um, you and I can be, you know, are very, very close and can be of help and service to one another. But we've been friends for 10 years and probably three of that, three or four of that has been like a more intimate level. And that's just one relationship. So just a reminder that if you're not feeling that with people right now, that's not a permanent state. Right. Like the people who feel like casserole dropper offers now. Um, with time and vulnerability and life circumstance may be those like inner, inner, inner circle for you in a year or two. Cause the, yeah. you know, there's opportunity there. So.
1: And I just have to laugh that I think we probably used the word casserole seven times in this episode. <laughs> and I have to guess that there's probably a whole bunch of millennial moms listening and going like, I'm sorry, what casseroles? <laughs> I'll just say it's a throwback to our, like probably more our, our parents' generation. Right. Yes. And it's like, it's one of those things that's stuck, but. I don't know that people eat casseroles
0: anymore. I don't think so. Please send us an email if you love casseroles. Unless you count like, (laughs) I mean, enchiladas would be like a modern take on a casserole. (laughs) Lasagna. I don't know. This is like the the part two of this is not about casseroles, but it could be. It could (laughs) be. It could be. All right. Well, what do we have coming up, Sarah? Well, I'm so glad you asked. So we have listener questions episodes coming up and longtime listeners, you know, we usually do them in pairs. This time, we're pairing a more than mom listener questions episode with a regular like Tuesday parenting listener questions episode. So coming up on Sunday, you'll get the more than Mom version, which will be questions that are not about parenting, a little bit of a little bit of everything, but um listeners asking us about, I don't know, career work, love, fashion style, all the more than mom type of stuff. um and our then, personal hygiene, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe. um, and then on Tuesday, we'll, follow that up with the listener questions episode, like, like you're used to getting, which is, um, mom's bringing us their sort of parenting and family life challenges. I will say there's probably a day or so to get in a couple more questions. If you're hearing this right, when it comes out on Tuesday and want to shoot an email to hello at the momhour.com, you can always try, um, if it's too late and we've already recorded or we've already chosen our questions, we can file it away for next time. So it never hurts to try. Um, And that's a great way. Just make sure you put like listener question in the subject line. And that's hello at themomhour.com. And we read every single one and we really do use them. Even if we can't take it on the show, we use it to just kind of stay in tune with what you all are wondering about. So that will be fun. And Megan, we'll be back with everybody on Sunday. Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code the mom Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K E R I K A dot A P P and use code the mom hour to save 20%.
1: Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us. And it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple podcasts, you can navigate to the mom hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the mom hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.